Now you're very welcome along. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. And Pork, I do believe you're on mic, are you? I am on mic, absolutely. <laughs> Good morning, dear to Kelly. Welcome back. Lovely, lovely to have you. And people, I when we mentioned earlier uh, that gardening was back, loads of texts in to say how happy people were to hear that uh, we were back talking about gardening on a Saturday morning. So yeah, and a good few people mentioned it to me during the week. They obviously heard the promo yeah. and heard that we'd be back. And, yeah. and, and it's been a great gardening year. I was kind of reflecting on it this morning coming up in the car. You know, what type of year was it? Yes, we had some rain, some kind of patchy weeks there where, where it was a little bit miserable, cold and so on. We had that intense heat as well. But overall, I think it's been a very good uh, year for gardening and particularly the last three to four weeks with the uh, the, the welcome rain we had a couple of weeks back and then the really nice autumnal gardening weather we've had uh, in the last couple of weeks. And yes, tomorrow the rain is back. Uh, so try to get out there today and, and, and tidy up the garden. Maybe tomorrow is going to be uh, wet. But then we're back into some good weather, particularly Tuesday. It's going to be up on the 23 degrees um, so oh, very really? unusual, uh, yeah, kind of a, I suppose, a, a small bit of an Indian in summer. Um, but the plants are, are doing really well. Loads of colour in many gardens. And plants actually came back into growth in the middle of August. Uh, so normally they kind of slow down at the end of July. And But uh, with the weather we've had, plants actually started to grow again. Trees started to put on new growth. Shrubs started to put on new leaves. And um, flowering plants like hydrangeas and... <sighs> Rebeckias and all that, they're absolutely stunning at the moment. They are, there's no sign of a wane on them at all, no, which is great. And they'll continue, look, if we get any sort of mixed weather, a reasonable weather over the next six weeks, they will continue to flower right through until late October or November. So there's lots of gardening to be done and really September has always been the start of the gardening year traditionally. It's the time when we, you know, the spring bulbs start coming back in, people start planting hedges and trees. Traditionally it was always the time, always the start of the gardening season. So I've put together a couple of things that people can do. Um, quite a long list. I'd we imagine. I was like, where, where does one start? But I thought we'd start. I, I was actually at a trade show um, earlier this year and I came across a new gardening implement. And you know me, I like the, the garden hose and all of that. But I came across a new gardening tool. And this is a little device called the Capability Trowel. And whoever invented this, be it male or female, they've actually designed a fantastic gardening item. So it's a, it's a trowel, it's a gardening trowel. Yeah. And for many, many of our listeners, if you're like me, you know, after a couple of weeks or after a couple of months, the garden tr- trowels get a bit dented and a bit damaged and they can they break over. They can get over, a bit bent, yeah, bent depending on so what on. kind of a rock you hit in the soil or something like that. Yeah, so this is a company called um, Kent and Slow and they develop a whole range of gardening tools but this is a gardening trowel so if people are planting vegetables planting bedding plants um, if they like planting bulbs in the garden if you just like planting in general this is a fantastic gardening tool so it's made from stainless steel it's called the capability trowel because it's very capable of doing quite a lot of jobs it's extremely sharp Brilliant if you've got stony ground. Mm. So I've tried this on a lot of kind of gravelly, stony uh, ground. It'll dig into the soil up to six inches. It also is extremely sharp. So it it enters the ground really easy, very, very easy to dig with. It also has a sharp knife at the tip of the blade for cutting open your compost bags, fertiliser bags. Clever, clever. It's got a serrated edge for cutting roots, cutting stems, cutting whatever. So a really good 
Very, very clever, isn't it? Yeah. They're, it's a bit like the Swiss Army knife for garden towels. So they have a, a sharp blade in it for, for opening compass bags. Because for me, when I'm opening the compass bags, you're ground looking for a knife or something to... This is brilliant. Serrated edge for cutting branches or cutting old roots or cutting anything, really. And believe it or not, this is a hammer... <laughs> At, the, At end. the end. So it's ideal for tapping down bamboo canes or it'll even tap down tacks and nails and all that sort of thing. I thought a really clever piece and of kit. It comes with a 20-year guarantee. There's one other thing I'm spotting on Go it. On. It has uh, measurements on the it front. Does. So when you read, oh, you need to dig this down to like 10 centimetres yeah. or... They actually have, it's there on the trowel, it's literally marked out. It's marked out. It's like a ruler. Uh, and I think that's because sometimes I go, oh, what does that mean? Yeah. How, how, how big is that really? Well, particularly um, when you're planting bulbs, yeah. daffodils and tulips, so, and you need to go down whatever, you know, 10 centimetres. It's very, marked out. Very impressive. Yeah. So that's really, really that's available for purchase at the It'll moment. It'll be available in garden centres at the moment. Yeah. It's called the Capability Trowel. It comes with a 20 year guarantee. I thought it was a really nifty little device. It retails, I think, for about 17 or 18 euros. I think euros. it's eight, I saw 17 well, well worth it. So that's something different, um, particularly now as we come into autumn when people are going to be planting bulbs, bulbs. and autumn vegetables yeah. and bedding plants in general. And for particularly listeners that have tough ground or stony ground, it's a really, really... Some of my team, the staff, have tried them out during the summer and they're absolutely delighted with them. So that's one thing we can start with. Brilliant. Um, Communions and confirmation. We've got oh. lots of calls in the last couple of weeks, so people are delighted to see that they can finally have some celebrations at home. And we've a lot of interest in in terms of colour. So people are thinking about right, what can I do to add a little bit of colour to the garden at the moment? And there's such a, a wide range of plants available now that will flower from now right through Christmas and into spring of next year. And I brought a few items in. Of course, the winter headers are always beautiful and this is the one the garden girls which co comes into flower in September and continues right through Christmas and they come in a whole range of colour this is a bicolour it's got two different colours in the one plant so you've got pink and white mm. in the one flower and you can see the flower buds are just beginning to open and irrespective of the weather that's going to continue to flower right through into January or February so lovely in hanging baskets window boxes containers are really out in the garden soil I also brought you in the capsicums because I think these are beautiful for autumnal colour and um, they're in the pepper family they come in shades of orange, yellows, reds. And are these colours. edible? They're edible, yeah, they're, but they're chilly, they're hot. So, they're, they, so they do provide the heat? Absolutely. If yeah. you want to use them uh, in the kitchen, certainly you can do that and you can pick them on a regular basis. But mainly they're used just for the colours. Colours are And fantastic. they are stunning. These are, are beautiful. These are uh, red and yellow now, yeah. uh, but they do look really gorgeous. They're a lovely, lovely, easy and plant to grow. lots of, of fruit or whatever, do we call it fruit? They are a, they are a fruit. They're actually a chilli or a, yeah, a miniature a pepper. pepper. Yeah. And, so uh, lots of peppers on the plants. Yeah, and mm. lovely for autumn colour. I brought you in the ornamental cabbage which again is lovely those, yeah. and so easy to grow. Winter pansies are available um, things like uh, wallflowers which are just beginning to flower in the garden centre yeah. at the moment. I just brought you in a picture of them. Gorgeous. But they're actually beginning to flower. Violas, cyclamen all of those are available for colour at the moment. And many of the autumn burying shrubs the calicarpa and cotoneasters with the, and the skimmias with the lovely red berries, they're available at the moment if you want to do pots and containers. So if you are thinking of confirmation, communion, or just digging up the garden for autumn colour, it's a really good time of year. We often chat about the... The lanterns. The lanterns. So there's the Chilean lantern tree and there is the um, this particular one that actually 
fruits in the autumn. So this is the Chinese lantern tree. Again, it's beginning, it's more a shrub than a tree. It only grows about a foot or 18 inches in height. It has these beautiful orange lanterns like the Halloween lanterns and they're absolutely fabulous. So the change from this green colour, see the oh, green here? Oh, there's the green one, there's right. Green. Yes, I see it. And then they change to, that lovely colour. To the colour. orange colour. Yeah, and it spreads across the ground. It is a perennial plant, but again, it's lovely for that autumnal colour. So again, you can put it into pots and containers. You can plant it out in the garden soil. Do remember, it does spread. So be careful that, you, you know, to allow it to space. Confine it a space. little bit. Yeah, or else put it into a pot and mm. keep it in a pot. And um, But again, such an easy plant, such beautiful autumn colour. And I do love the lanterns on it. And it does really give you that sense of a Chinese lantern because they almost look like lanterns made out of crepe paper. Out of paper, yeah. yeah. They have that yeah. paper. They have that big texture. texture yeah. look about there's a little fruit inside that's not edible. Uh, so don't, don't, don't be tempted to eat it. But it's, um, it is a beautiful plant for autumn colour. So look at this, lots of great colour. I just brought a basket full in this yeah. morning, but there's plenty of really good plants. Soil conditions are perfect for planting. Uh, so if people are thinking about colour or, or shrubs or whatever, really good. Again, as we come into September, it's hedging planting time. So again, soil conditions are ideal. So if you plant plants in the garden during the months of September, because of the heat that's in the soil, they root really, really well. So trees, shrubs, hedging plants, colour, heathers, all those sort of plants planted in the autumn or planted in September in particular, they're going to be rooting right through the winter, but particularly over the next six or eight weeks, they'll put in a really strong root base. So they get really well established. Yeah, and, and, and autumn planting is, is, is a good thing to do. Autumn vegetables, if people are, and, and listeners will be digging out their potatoes at the moment, so uh, main crop potatoes will be coming up to the time of year for harvesting. And potatoes have done really well again this year because we've had the rain and we've had the heat. So really good crops of, of early and main crop potatoes. So as you're taking those out, it's a good idea to plant some new vegetables back in. So things like um, red broccoli is available or purple sprouting broccoli is available as plants now Mm -hmm. and you'll harvest those in February and March of next year. Two lovely cabbage varieties are, are available. So if listeners have greenhouses or tunnels or fairly restrictive space or say you want to grow a couple of cabbages in a window box, there's a lovely variety called Pixie which is a really small, it only produces heads that are about five inches, maybe six inches in diameter. Um, they're, they're ready to harvest as greens within about six or seven weeks, or you can harvest them as full-size, five-inch, he- small heads by Christmas time, coming into spring of next year. And because they grow through the winter, they don't go off. So that's the beauty of them. Okay. You know, whereas cabbage, summer cabbages, it just, unless they, you use them, yeah, they go to seed, seed very quickly. But because you're growing the pixie variety through the winter period, so the plants are available now, they're about six inches tall. You plant them in window boxes or you plant them out in garden soil. You can grow them outdoors. But particularly for listeners that might be getting rid of their tomato plants now and want something to fill the gap in the, green, in the greenhouse or in the tunnel, they're a lovely variety because they take up minimal space and you get maximum results from them. You can pick them as greens or as full-size head cabbages. So that's one called Pixie. There's another variety called Hispe, which is slightly bigger. Both are very, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, Hispe has more a cone-shaped effect, a bit like Greyhound. Yeah. And again, if you plant them now, again, they'll be ready Christmas, kind of spring of next year, right in. You'll be using them really from the end of November right through Christmas January, February, March of next year. And again, both the varieties are ideal for indoor or outdoors. And you can do a bit of both. So maybe get a dozen plants, plant six outside, six inside in the tunnel in the greenhouse and you'll have them coming on a little bit early. Winter lettuce are again, are available at the moment. So again, if you want 
to let us to use through the winter period and into spring of next year. Again, there's lots of varieties available. Kale as well is available and lots of herbs that you can plant. So this autumn period is a good time to plant autumn vegetables. So purple sprouting broccoli, cabbage in particular, lettuce varieties. So they're all available as plants. And then there's plenty of seed. You can still sow radishes. You can sow at this time of year. Swiss chard. Again, soil conditions are ideal. Perfect. If you don't want to do anything in the veg garden for the winter, right? You don't want to plant anything. Yeah. My advice is rather than rather than leaving it fallow and empty for the weeds to fill up, just sow it with green manure. So you get that in your local garden centre. Plants like mustard, red clover, um, phacelia, all available as you'll see them in packets called green manure. You simply rake the soil, chuck on the, the seed of green manure, rake it in, and go in and have a cup of tea because they'll germinate over a five or six week period. They'll give a fantastic cover crop. Uh, It'll suppress the weeds for the winter. Many of them are flowering, particularly the red clover and the phacelia, but you dig them back into the soil then in February and March and they add to the nutrition. So they keep the area clean, which is an important thing, but also you add them in then as green manure. You dig it physically back into the soil in February and March before you put the spuds back in. Does it take long for it to decompose back into the soil when you no, do no. dig it in? No, no. You, yeah. you could actually dig it back in today yeah. and sow your seeds tomorrow oh, or the next day. So you good. literally just bury the, the crop. So it'll only grow about six or maybe eight inches yeah. high over the winter period. It's really used by organic gardeners to suppress weeds to put what they call a cover crop over the soil for the winter to stop the weeds from growing. An odd weed will grow, of course. Yeah. And then you're digging everything back into the soil. So you're not using artificial fertiliser. You're not spraying in or anything like that. You're not doing any spraying. You're not doing, you having to use artificial fertiliser in the springtime. So it's a good organic way of keeping a vegetable patch clear. Clear. And this time of year in September, seeds will, you'll see it in your own garden. The weed seeds will start germinating very, very quick at this time of year. So if you put any of the green manures down, they'll be up over the soil within eight, maybe 14 days. So within two weeks, you'll actually see them popping above the soil. It's also a good time of year for sowing the seeds of wildflower. So again, if you want to put in a wildflower area somewhere in the garden, this is an excellent time for two reasons. First of all, And again, the preparation is very simple. You simply rake the soil, put down a little bit of garden lime. So you get that in your local garden. So shake on some lime, rake it in. Get yourself some seed and the seed comes in a whole range of different varieties. Some that are suitable for shade, some that are short, some that are the traditional meadow and so on. There's lots of different varieties available um, as mixes. And generally there's about 30 different varieties in a box of seed. Tip would be a typical mix. Sow the seed now again. They'll germinate within two, three weeks sort of thing, a small little seedlings. Yeah. And they will come into flower next summer. But with those, if you plant some spring bulbs, so in your local garden centre over the next couple of weeks, the dwarf daffodils and crocuses and snowdrops and all the bulbs that flower, winter aconites that flower in December, they will all, anemones that flower in February, all of those will be coming in. So for colour in your meadow, wildflower meadow, or for listeners that have a wildflower meadow, they'll be cutting it back now. It's a super time of year, particularly in the middle of September, to start planting spring bulbs. And they will come back year after year, but they'll give you colour December through till June, and then your wildflower meadow will come into flower from June till September. So it's a good combination of both. Fantastic. Hello, I, I, I don't know where to start with all of that. That's brilliant. <laughs> I've left you speechless, am I? Speechless, almost, so almost. They're the, they're the key things. Fruit as well. This is the time of year for coming into, for planting yeah. fruit. And Harvest, harvesting it. Harvesting and, and wasps are certainly, if, if your garden is might like my garden, the, the wasps are is, around. Is there a real prevalence of wasps there is. this year? There's a huge amount of wasps um, around. 
you know, and, and I always remind people, first of all, yes, they're, they're, they are annoying. Yeah. Um, the reason that we see them around our homes at the moment is that the wasps are the gardener's friend. They eat the caterpillars and, and aphids and green fly from April through till late August, early September. And they do that because they're feeding their young. They're feeding the pupae, the small baby wasps. They, th- those, those particular pupae excrete a sugary substance and that's what the adult wasps feed off. So the young feed the old, if that makes So the old feed the young with the caterpillars and the aphids and the young then excrete this sugary mm-hmm. substance. So that's where wasps get the taste for sugary stuff. sugary stuff. So in the autumn, at this time of year, all those young pupae have uh, pupated and, yeah. and developed into uh, young wasps. So there's nothing for the adults to feed now. Because they've gone. So they die off, do they? Well, the aphids are, are, have gone. The green fly have disappeared from the gardens. The caterpillars are gone. So now they're looking for that sugary treat. And they come to our homes and they go to our apples and so on. And they will die off. Once we get into the frost, the, the majority of, of um, wasps die away. It's only the virgin queens mm. that actually survive through the mm. winter. Mm. And you'll often find those in, you know, you might find them in outhouses or sheds, or I often see them in the Velux window. So I open the Velux window in December. Yeah. You'll generally get a, a, a queen, queen wasp hiding in there right. over the winter. So they overwinter and then they start the next generation. So at this time of year, they do attack our or um, apples or fruiting plants. Um, very fine netting will help to keep them off. Yeah. Um, the old traditional way of, of, you know, the jam jar with the, with the strawberries. Yeah, Give the them jam. something sweet and, the, and it will attract them. Uh, my advice is not to spray for them. You know, don't be spraying. Uh, I had customers in who had apple trees and, and they wanted to spray the wasps. But, you know, I was reminding them that you're going to be harvesting the apples. The other thing you can do is if there are damaged apples, cut them up into pieces. Give put, them, feed them separately. Exactly. Push them away, you know, put them and they will go over. They'll go away from the actual trees themselves and feed on bits of apples in another area. So it is a year. I think the, 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 the heat that we've mm. had certainly this year has definitely increased the numbers of, and we've had a lot of aphids and caterpillars yeah. early in the spring. I, just, so. I noticed an awful lot on the laurel trees, of the laurel hedge. Well, you see, they're hunting through the laurels mm. for green fly and caterpillars. Yeah. Well, no wonder the and generally speaking, well. a bit like bees, if you leave mm. them alone and you're oh, not no, they trying were, to Oh no, they're perfectly and, docile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you leave them alone, they're, they're quite happy. So it's at this time of the year they can become annoying. Um, but look, you know, I, I went out and picked most of my apples uh, this week. Yeah. Even though they weren't fully ripe, I took them anyway because I knew the, the wasps would be good. But I left enough for the wasps as well. Okay. So look, at once we get into the frost, the wasps will disappear. If they're in an annoying area, you know, young children, there are treatments you can get in your local garden centre to control them. Mm. But having said all that, you know, yeah, if you they could, do. They let, have a purpose. Let them let them go about their business, and they probably if you won't, can, uh, if they you probably can. won't affect you too much. They're not going to affect. And, and once we get into cold weather in October, they do. They will die okay. naturally away anyway. So they're the kind of the key things, dear. So lots to be done. Lawns again. It's a good time of year if listeners want to sow lawns. Conditions at the moment are absolutely superb. Um, you know, you're talking about a week or maybe ten days at maximum for the seed to germinate at this time of year. So if you can sow the seed, particularly with the uh, after the rain tomorrow, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday would be a great time to sow the seed. And within 10 days, certainly within 14 days, your lawn will be visible. And feeding of lawns at this time of year Very is important. important for the autumn. Uh, now, right, we've uh, no no shortage of questions, Pork, because the people were texting in yeah. from fine and early this morning. We're going to open things up with some rhubarb. Uh, so rhubarb. Uh, when is the best time? A couple of rhubarb questions I see here now, one on text and one on WhatsApp. So we'll try and combine. What is the best time to move rhubarb from one place to another and 
what is the best to feed and somebody got some rhubarb plants earlier this year they've got some new growth now is it normal and do they leave the older stalks to die back yeah well you can let the you can once the the uh, older stalks are going yellow you can tighten them back or, or let them die back naturally themselves and like i said earlier we are seeing new growth on many plants during august just responding to the weather Go ahead and harvest those. If they're strong plants, why not have a little bit of rhubarb for the autumn? Wouldn't it be lovely? In terms of moving the plants, to be honest, they're normally moved in the dormant season anytime from October right through till March. So once they've died back naturally, you can simply dig them up, split them into a couple of pieces and replant them. And remember, the secret to really good rhubarb is organic matter. So plenty of rotted old manure or indeed your own garden compost. That's what they love. So once they die back, put a couple of barrows on top of them, cover them, smother them in rotted manure and let that decompose down through the plants and they'll be superb next year. OK, we're going to go to vegetables next. Uh, listeners set some broccoli and cauliflower last May in the greenhouse and all the listener is getting is big tall green leaves and nothing else. Okay well what I would do is hold back maybe on a little bit on the watering. What you need to trigger the uh, what you're eating with the cauliflower remember and the broccoli is the actual flower buds and plants if they're growing really healthy and you're feeding them a lot you tend to get excessive leafy growth. They need actually a little bit of a shock. Remember that broccoli, it depends on the variety of broccoli, it could be the green calabrese could be the purple broccoli. There are varieties of broccoli that are ready through the autumn, winter and spring period, particularly the purple sprouting ones. So I would just ease off in the watering a bit, stop the feeding with them, give them a little bit of a shock and don't be comforting, comforting them as much. Give them a little bit of a shock and they'll come into production. Into production. My young fellow this year, Luke, he, he grew, I had to laugh at him, he came home with uh, uh, broccoli and cauliflower plants and decided to plant them in a window box. And I said to him, that's never going to work. But he planted up the, the broccoli anyway, and sure enough, they only grow to about a foot in height because we're so close planted together within the window box. They were competing and... Yeah, but they, they produce fantastic spikes of broccoli. <laughs> so exactly the reverse to what the customer, or what the listener has done there. Yeah. The, the plants actually, because there was very little space and there was lots of competition between the plants within a window box, broccoli plants, you would never yeah. plant them in a window box. The plants stayed really small, but it triggered them into, into producing green. and they produce fantastic spears. We got about maybe a dozen spears of uh, green broccoli from them within a very short period, within maybe five weeks. Uh, they'd produce and how does the spears. cauliflower work out? The cauliflower again have produced really small heads, which again we're going to harvest But as nice well. and sweet probably. Yeah, but, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it just shows the, you know, that sense of that little bit of competition, competition between plants where the plant itself knows it's got nowhere to go. It triggers itself into flowering. And this is, in this instance, we're getting the reser- re- reverse of that. The plant has obviously been really healthy, well fed, well watered, really well looked after and it's just producing leaves rather than flowering. Way to go, Luke. Uh, Now, Jer is asking about lettuce and radishes and spinach and they've bolted and they've gone to seed. They're both in the polytunnel and outside. Any way to prevent this? Well, first of all, if they've gone to seed, so the plant has triggered itself to produce seed. So it it came under some sort of a um, a stress factor. Heat can certainly trigger it within the greenhouse. So once they go to seed, you need to um, get rid of them. They've finished their function now. Um, That's having said all that, you could still sow the seed. Plants are still available in terms of lettuce plants and you, it's not too late to sow radishes indoors in the tunnel. So I would actually sow both. Get a couple of uh, trays of lettuce plants, get them in. Maybe sow some seed as well. Little gem is a, a really good variety. And then with the radish, I'd still sow. Radish will be ready in five, six weeks if you sow them mm. in the tunnel now. 
Okay, great. And uh, as far as uh, cabbage and turnips are concerned, they've been attacked fairly heavily by caterpillars here uh, for somebody, Porik. Uh, any way to get rid of them other, well, other mean, than introduce a few wasps, maybe? <laughs> get a few wasps into them. Well, look at the caterpillars. Um, I mean, look, that's only natural that, that uh, cabbage will... What you can do is net them. You can get a really fine netting. So it's the white um, butterfly and the cabbage white butterfly that lays the eggs on the cabbage plants weeks ago and now you're seeing the results of that so look at you can even wash them off um, I'm not a big advocate for spraying them because you're going to be eating that cabbage within a couple of weeks so ideally all of those anything in the brassica family will be affected by caterpillars and um, the best way to, to control them is to net it Okay. Get a net and just put it over and keep it keep prevent, them off that way. The if they're small young plants, you could use the bug clear, which again is a safe. It's made from rapeseed oil, mm. so it's very safe to use. And mm. um, there's no pesticide in it, and it is suitable for fruit and vegetables. If you wanted to use that in the cabbage, uh, even if they're ready to harvest, the rapeseed oil isn't going to do any harm uh, to them. So you could use that if you wanted to treat them with something. But netting is the best way. Okay, great. Now, Judy is in Loughborough in the United Kingdom. Questions. Uh, she's planted sweet peas in the garden in October, had great results, but this year very poor flowers when cut for indoors. The petals fell off within 24 hours. Now the seed pods are damp and seeds are very small. Any advice? Oh, well, if they're, if they're small and, and damp, I wouldn't go sowing them. So, again, traditionally the time for sowing the old traditional way to sow sweet peas was to sow them during September and October because you've got the perfect temperatures at the moment uh, to, to get germination rather than trying to germinate them indoors in January and February. So sow them from seed at this time of year. My advice really is to get a couple of packets of seed that only cost you a couple of quid rather than trying to sow from your own plants, particularly if they're small and going mouldy. Um, sow the seeds, they'll germinate in three weeks, four weeks. Once they're about six inches tall, pinch the tops out of them. Leave them outdoors for the winter because they're totally frost hardy, but do protect them against any slugs and snails. And they'll give you early blooms, bigger blooms and uh, a better show of colour. So uh, the autumn planting or the sowing of, of sweet peas in the autumn is really always advise, advisable. You've, you've got far better plants than planting them from seed in the springtime. Okay, might have just been a bad year, Judy, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, wetness will, will certainly affect them. And, and, and also if we get a, no, you know, when we have that, that really dry period where a lot of plants come under stress mm. very quickly and sweet peas are one of those plants that if they get excessively excessive heat, they just tend to go over very quickly. Okay, they, they, it doesn't suit them. Uh, now, a couple of hedging questions. A listener has a jasmine plant set as a hedge, yeah. wondering when to prune it. Well, it's in flower at the moment, so I enjoy the flowers at the moment. And jasmine is such a, a fast-growing plant, you can certainly grow it as a hedge. Um, I wouldn't prune it really until we get into, till it finishes flowering. So October will be soon enough uh, to prune it. So anything that's in bloom like that, leave well enough alone until it goes out of flower and then trim it back. Hedges in general though having said all that, things mm. like laurel, Portuguese laurel all the other hedges, particularly green hedges like Chrysalinia September is a great month. The nesting season is, is coming to an end now so anytime from mid-September on is a good time because they'll put on a little bit of growth before we get into the yeah. depths of winter. Okay. Now can we trim branches of purple beech yet? Well my own needs doing uh, so and, and it's kind of one of those jobs I've been putting off and putting off. The great thing with, with beech is you can you know, apart from the nesting period, you can certainly trim it at any time of year. So okay. mine will probably get a haircut this week. So this week would be a good time to do it. Having said all that, even if you prune it in October, November is a good time as well. So whenever you whenever you get round to it, more than anything else. And with regards to laurels, uh, yeah. somebody 
trees, uh, some of the cows have eaten the tops of my laurel hedge. Will they be okay? I don't know, is that the Will cow? the hedge be okay or the cows? The cows or the hedge? Well, well um, the thing with, with laurels, laurels, yeah. laurels have oxalic acid in them, which um, cows, it's not necessarily a poison, but cows' stomachs can become swollen if they eat too much. It's similar if they eat too much cabbage leaves. It right. has the same effect on them. So laurels really want to keep them, keep the cattle fenced away. A gnawed branch isn't going to do them any dar- damage, but if they eat a lot of it, it can certainly damage them. Okay. So and, and, the, and the laurels themselves? Oh no, the laurels will grow back again. They'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> you know, no, they'll yeah. be perfectly fine. Maybe just trim them up and tidy them up. And, and this time of year, there's no feeding required for laurels. People are tempted to feed them and all that with the weather being good. Leave them alone now. Just tie, trim them back, tidy them up. The feeding commences again in springtime. Okay, I was just about to come to a question on that. <clears throat> Martin well, is there go. and he has uh, put chicken manure pellets um, wondering should he stop feeding until next spring? Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, if you if you fed during the month of August, I would leave them alone now. They're slowing down growth. So just a light trimming back, a tidying up and they'll put a little bit of growth on before the winter. Lovely. Right. Uh, wondering when is the best time to transplant a hosta? What were they like this year? Hostas were actually, mine were brilliant this year. Um, to be honest, they had, they had a great year. Even even during the heat, they did really well. Um, now, having, they're, they're, they're still green at the moment, but if you want to divide them then this week would be a great time to lift them up and herbaceous plants in general so plants like hostas, astilbe um, anything that's kind of gone out of flower and you want to divide it and move it this is a really good week to do that even though they're still in the green so if you're going to divide hostas, get out the hedge clippers trim it to a, within six inches of soil level mm-hmm. so trim off all the leaves dig it up Get a sharp spade, split it into three or four pieces and replant. And the same with a still base or solidago or any of those plants that produce, um, you know, nice clumpy growth and they've gone out of flower. So uh, plants like asters that are coming to flower at the moment or um, rudbeckia, they're all herbaceous plants. Leave them over, don't divide them until November, but hostas, this is the week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, bindweed taking over my garden in Westport, please help. Well, bindweed, that's convolvulus and it's actually, it's lovely when it's in flower. It's got these beautiful big white flowers. Um, it's a twining plant, so it grows yeah. like ivy up the plants and it is perennial. It disappears in the winter and comes back in the spring again. Um, so if it's wrapping itself up through existing plants, you're going to have to use something like the um, a weed killer gel that you can actually paint onto the leaves of the bindweed and that'll control it. If it's growing on the flat surface of the soil and, you know, it's not interfering with any plants and you just want to get rid of it, then you can use something like the Weed Free 360. And autumn, September is actually a good time to control weeds in general because they're beginning to slow down, they're beginning to naturally die back. And if you treat them with something like Weed Free 360, it has a a very beneficial effect in terms of killing them off. It works well. It works so this well. Time. That's probably a better way to put it. Yeah, because they're flowering at the moment. They're probably at their weakest state, and the, the most foliage is on them. So you tend to get a very good result. Now, when should you pare back hydrangeas? It's a huge spread at the moment, and what's the best way to do it? It's a bit early for that, isn't ah, it? It is, yeah. I mean, hydrangeas, like anybody that has the um, paniculata varieties, like Phantom and yeah. Bobo and Villa, Vanilla Freeze, they're absolutely beautiful at the moment, and they're only beginning to colour, and there's at least another six or eight weeks, two months of colour yet in them. I'm, 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 you know, my garden, I have quite a number of them, and 
they're absolutely stunning yeah. at the moment. I know, I, I've noticed I have a few, I did the old Chelsea Chop and oh, the, good. the Chelsea Chop ones now are coming into flower so and it has really prolonged uh, the, 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 the season period. for it. Yeah, yeah and so they will bloom for you right through possibly into mid-November yeah. and they'll still be in flower. So I would leave them alone. If there are old flowers beginning to die off, certainly do a bit of deadheading. Uh, but I wouldn't be trimming them back to any great extent yet. And if they're the old um, macrophylla, the old common mophead yeah. varieties, they're pruned in the springtime anyway. Yeah, so, so take off any dead heads, but apart from that, just let them let them do their business. Okay, what time of year can nematodes for warworms mm. be put down and can you order them uh, in advance? Uh, they were a bit difficult to get this year. Yeah, they ran out, they ran out as soon as they came in last year. So um, the best time to, to get them is springtime. Soil temperatures have to be above 10 degrees Celsius. Um, they're not generally available at this time of year. Right. Now, they would work at this time of year if you could get them because yeah. the temperatures are ideal. But uh, springtime, generally normally late April, May is the time to do them. And if you if you ring the garden centre, they'll put your name on a list and get them in get certainly them. for you yeah. okay so get on the list I think yeah, is, yeah. is the, is the best season, yeah. the cord line yes so Mary has a cord line and she sent us in a photograph pork which we've had a look at mm-hmm. um, and wondering how do we tidy it up the leaves are very long and damaged and it's easy to trip over it I sure can imagine is. so so first of all it's not a cord line okay <clears throat> so it's a plant it's form. It's a formium your New Zealand flax looks a bit like a cord line alright with the kind of strap like leaves and the listener has it planted very close t- to a driveway um, so you can imagine coming in there at night time, you could say, very easily yeah. fall over that plant. So my advice to be to Mary is really actually dig that plant out and move it somewhere else uh, because it's going to continue. So formiums or New Zealand flags can grow anything up to two metres in diameter. They generally grow to, depending, this is a variegated form, so it'll grow to about six feet in, in height. And even if you cut it back, which you can do, it's just going to regrow again. So to be honest, it's a plant in the wrong place. So I would lift it any time from now on. Um, it's big. Wa- is that liftable, that plant? Oh, it is, yeah. A good sharp spade. Get in. What, what to do is to get the hedge clippers out, trim it all back, give it a really good sharp, tight number two haircut and trim it all back and get your spade out, dig it up and you'll be able to split it into a couple of pieces and plant it somewhere more appropriate. Um, really tough plant, t- tolerates the wind, mm. um, often can be planted kind of like, a, like an informal hedge, uh, but it's just a plant in the wrong location. Okay. So it's a formium, variegated <coughs> formium. Now we're moving on. No, having said that, you can yep. actually put a cord line back, back in, in there. Back in there and, and it, it would grow tall. It would be more about better and, behaved. And a lot slimmer. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, listener from Arkell dug out potatoes and now I have this weed with a oh, photograph. Yeah. What's the best thing to get rid of it? Also, there were strange tomato-like buds on the potato stalks. We've never seen them before and we've found photographs of these tomato-like buds yeah. uh, on the plant and uh, then cut in two. Yeah, that's, what's that? So let's deal with the, the weeds first okay. of all. <clears throat> so the listeners de- dug out the potatoes and this is really what I was saying about the green manure. Yeah. If this listener had actually sown the green manure after digging, you'd have a nice crop of green manure <clears throat> rather than weeds. At this time of year when you're digging out uh, potatoes, you're going to get chickweed and lots of other weeds germinating. Uh, the garden hoe, if you don't want to be using pesticides, if you get on that, you, you'll do it in half an hour with the, particularly the wolf garden hole, the one I use, that'll have that scuttled. And, and the weather conditions, particularly after tomorrow, mm-hmm. once we get into Monday, Tuesday with that warm weather, the weeds will die within minutes of being scuffled with the, the hole. If you don't want to use a hole, you can use something like the Weed Free 360, apply it through a, a 
water and that'll get rid of it without contaminating the soil. Okay. In relation to the potatoes, so what we're seeing yeah. here is a potato crop with small green tomato-like fruits at the top. What family are potatoes in? <clears throat> the tuber family. They're no. in the Solanaceae family, okay. which, which is which tomatoes are in the same family. So tomatoes and potatoes, you'll often hear me say about bl- potato Oh, the blight, blight, yeah. Yeah, so tomatoes and and potatoes are in the same Solanaceae family. They produce the same fruits. Oh. Now, they're, now, I'm not saying that tomatoes or potatoes produce tomatoes, but they produce similar <laughs> So they produce, a, there's a potato fruit as well as yeah, the potato so what, tuber. Yeah, so what you're seeing is the, the, the flowers have flowered, the fruit is forming, but the fruit is poisonous. Oh, right. Oh, so make sure you don't eat yeah. them or do anything with them. They're perfectly natural, particularly on a summer like we've had this year. So when, before harvesting the potatoes, just simply shear that all off or strim it off or cut it off with a, 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 a hedge clippers and dump it. Put it onto the compost heap and dump it. But make sure that the kids don't eat the little fruitlets because they are poisonous. So they're just the normal... Uh, fruits that you see on, potato, on the potato crop, okay. and they, they're very similar. They're exactly the same as as, as uh, tomatoes. tomatoes. But they won't go. They won't go red. Okay, and do not eat. Is <laughs> do the not other. eat them. Yeah. Is my message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Solanaceae family. Okay. Like you've got deadly nightshade is in Solanaceae family. So there are a number of poisonous plants in the potato family. What an tubers and green tubers. Yeah, of course, are poisonous, poisonous. as well. So make sure when you're harvesting. So if you have a green potato, you don't eat the green. You potatoes. don't eat it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Green tomatoes are perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're so just going to confuse people yeah, now we we'll, we'll move on are. to yeah, roses yeah. on okay. that note we've got a Galway Bay Rose it's Lovely. very uh, stemmy I think it so is. what should we do with this one okay so it's, it's very bare there's very little foliage on it one flower that I can see right at the very top um, so Galway Bay it's one of the old McGreedy roses and a really good variety of rose and the listener is training it here against a lot of holes there in the leaves there as well are, yeah yeah it's just been look at to be honest it's it's to train it out on the, on the wall first of all you need to put up some uh, wire or some something for it to climb on. Secondly, I would cut that quite severely back, back to within eight inches of soil level. I know that seems a bit drastic, but the plant next spring will kick in with lots of new growth and that new growth then should be tied into the wires that you're going to put on the wall and train it laterally. Make sure you feed it well and use the proprietary Rose Rescue or um, Rose Clear and it'll be perfectly fine. Okay. So it's just, you're just going to restart the whole plant again. Now a person planted roses out of pots last April. They haven't really taken off and they're wondering will they come back next year? They will of course yeah. I mean they, you know roses if they were in pots for quite a period they might have been set back a little bit. Mm. Um, Roses are tough as old boots. Obviously they need free draining soil. They need a good sunny location um, so don't plant them in any shade and feed them well. So maybe leave them alone at the moment. Cut them back then in, in October quite sharply and then next spring put on a good handful of fertiliser. Generally, you feed roses once a month and you treat them with a rose clear once a month from April onwards. And if you do that, they should be in great condition. Now, we have a rose bush that didn't flower this year. Other shrubs crowding around it didn't let in much light. I'm thinking of taking it out, maybe putting it in a pot. When would be the best time to do this? So this is the, you know, nearly the opposite of what we were talking about earlier. So yeah, you can see if if it doesn't get the light, it's not going to do very well. So roses need sunlight. Lift it any time from October onwards. So once the leaves have kind of dropped off it, again, prune it back, dig it up, replant it into a nice-sized pot 
pot. Use a John Innes or a soil-based compost would be better. If you can get some organic matter, some rotted compost, and you can actually buy it now. Bordemona do a, a farm of manure compost it for a bag of it's like compost but it's it's farm and manure or if you can get local compost it farm and manure right. add that, that to the compost as well because roses are like very rich um fertile soil you know they're hungry yeah. so using organic matter is a great idea um and that's it just it'll kick back into growth in the spring feed it and water it and it should be lovely roses do perfectly fine in pots in pots um, and we have a rose, but set, rose bush set this year and it's got long runners growing on them and should they trim them back well if, they, if it's suckering and, and so roses are grafted uh, the, the root structure and the, and the top part of the rose are two different varieties of roses mm. and if you do see suckers they generally have a different leaf colour tends to be light green generally, generally seven leaflets on the leaf, most roses have five uh, leaf leaflets to the leaf. Uh, suckers have seven. They tend to have a, be a lot more spiky on the stem. If they're coming clearly from the ground level, you need to prune them out. It sometimes is a sign that the rose itself might be struggling a little bit. So when the rose starts to struggle, the suckers tend to take over. So prune them out if they're if they're visible okay. and tidy them back and this would be a good time of year to do that. Okay, lots of different instances with roses there. Let's move on to peonies, also I suppose a form of a rose uh, and uh, somebody is wondering should we cut them back now or leave till spring? I know, you can try tidy them back now. Many of the, the spring flowering herbaceous plants, I mean um, peony roses are generally in flower in May so they're well past their flowering period and they're beginning to die back naturally now so don't be afraid to, to cut them back, tidy them up and uh, just leave them then for the winter and they'll be lovely next spring again. Here is a monster fennel, Porek, fennel, uh, wow, wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, fennel that has grow, been growing it's six foot, oh, yeah. what do I do with it? Does it grow six oh, foot? Oh it does, yeah yeah and it comes in a lovely bronze version as well um, now where the listener has Look it planted it, it's, uh, I would preferably have it you see how they have to tie it up yeah. and fennel will normally grow about oh, nearly four feet in diameter so it's a it's a bit confined where it is if you had an area in the garden maybe to plant it it's often a great plant to plant in a vegetable garden and it is a herbaceous herb which mm. means it dies back in the winter and it re-emerges in the spring and you can see here it's beginning to flower now the flowers are edible the seed is edible mm -hmm. on, on yep. fennel you can allow it to seed if you wish Um and you can collect the seed and re-sow it as well. So it's growing, per this is the way it kind of grows. It's just really in the wrong location. Um, normally you don't have to stake it like this. It grows a freestanding plant in the garden. And um, the more you trim it, you can trim it back and stop it from flowering and it produces a lot more foliage. And the foliage on fennel is fabulous. It's a lovely licorice. Mm. Beautiful. That's the thing, yeah. It's got fabulous. that aniseed, licorice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, but it's a lovely plant to grow in the garden if you never took any clippings from it particularly the bronze version it grows like an asparagus fern oh. really nice kind of ferny foliage and if you stop it from flowering you just get a, a nice fuller denser plant but it is perennial it'll come back next year again what, what was the question? the question oh, yeah. is so bridge, uh, yeah. So yeah. really to be honest Breach what I would do is move it this autumn if you can Get you know because you're going to it's not going to really do well where you've got it positioned so if you have more space plant it out somewhere else in the garden so it'll spread so, a bit more yeah cut it back in October dig it up and transplant it somewhere else.
Okay, a couple of questions on wildflowers. Yes. Uh, I have a wildflower meadow which Great. is sowed earlier in the year. I'd like to know what to do once it has finished flowering. Do oh, I great. cut it down or leave it? Yeah, yeah, And good Anne also asks, does it come back every year? Right, so first of all, and it, it sounds like this has done really well this year, so it's flowering at the moment. So, you know, the purpose of, of the, the wildflower meadow now is to produce its own seed. So you need to allow that to happen so allow the flowers to set seed that seed will drop and around the middle of October is a good time to strim it all back and make make sure that you remove all the clippings and all the bits of branches that you've strimmed back because if you leave them there they're going to add nutrition to the soil and that's actually going to set the wildflowers back so strim everything off mm remove it, put it onto the compost heap. Do that once the flowers have gone over. And at that time of year would be a good time of year to introduce some spring flowering bulbs. So all the bulbs I talked about earlier, the anemones and the bluebells and winter aconites and all that type of thing could be added to that area. Um, in relation to, what was it? it, it so, are sorry, the just the, are they coming? Yes, are the perennials? Yeah. Do they so come back every back year? So back to what I was saying earlier, in your local garden centre, you'll generally get, you know, six or seven different mixes some are perennial, which means they come back every year. Some are a mixture of annual and perennial. So they're, so some that will flower in their first year and mm. then the perennials will flower every af- year after that. So it depends on the mix that you select. Some are totally annual, which right. means you sow them, they flower, they die at the end of the season and produce their own seed. So if you want them to come back every year, make sure you ask in the garden centre for a perennial mix yes. and it'll be a mixture of all perennial flowers that come back year after year. Okay, time is ticking on, so we just have time yeah. for one or two sure. more. Have you heard of a plant called crow's foot with a lemon fragrance? My granny had it one years ago. Yeah, yeah, crow's foot is a, a quite a common plant. It's got a quite a large leaf with a, a lemony scent a lemon when scent. you rub the, the leaf. And yeah, it's yeah. available, is it? Yeah, it should be it? available. Yeah. Generally springtime, you okay. see more in springtime than now. So maybe check in, in February and March of next year. Okay, Maureen's wondering when is a good time to plant curly kale? Plant it now if you can get the plants of it. Um, so curly kale and all the kale family are are totally winter hardy. If anything, I think the flavour is better the more we get frost and hardship on the plants. I mean, kale is the sort of plant you harvest it right through the winter. You'll often see it for sale in, gar- in um, grocery shops at, at Christmas and February and March and April. So it's one of these really tough plants. So check in your local garden centre. They may have plants of them at the moment. You could still sow some seed if you wished. Um, and it is a, it is more a winter vegetable. Mm. Now, we're growing kale all year round, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's available as plants, but it, winter is a really good time for it because it's so tough. Okay, and I'm going to end on this one over on the, yeah. on the text board. What does blight look like on the evergreen boxes and how do you treat it? So box blight is generally on, on the boxwood, the small leaves will turn an orange colour, they'll, they'll eventually go brown. The plant itself would look sickly and you'll get bare patches appearing in the boxwood hedge. You go pop into your local garden centre, there's a thing called top box, um, which is a blue pill. You mix it in water, you simply spray it onto the foliage of the plant and it gives it a lovely green colour and it arrests the uh, box blight. Okay. So top boxes, boxes is what you're looking for. So there is a treatment for it. Okay, I'm afraid we have to leave it there. Yeah, because we'll do it all again. Uh, we'll do Saturday. it all again. Apologies, I know we didn't get to loads of questions, folks. Uh, it's just that we've such a volume. But anyway, we are here again next Saturday, just after uh, nine for Porik, a little earlier for me. Um, and in the and meantime, just to remind listeners that our, our actually our florist, Deirdre McCarthy, she's in 
today and tomorrow in their centre in Turlock. I meant to mention her. Okay. Uh, people love her. She does lo- loads of demonstrations on floristry and so on. So if you're in the vicinity, yeah, pop, in. pop in. Great stuff. Thank you very much indeed, Porek. Uh, stand by. Michael Neary is coming your way next here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. The very best in country right through until one o'clock. That's after the local news, which is on the way next. For me for the moment, good morning.